Gabe, are you ready? Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Glass Half Sports. Uh, today is September 9th. And uh, before we get to probably uh, the best news that we're going to get all year, me and Mike would like to apologize for not being here last week, folks. We understand that you tune in every week hoping for the best damn sports show on the planet, and we just weren't able to get it to you. Mike had other duties, and I got sick as a dog coming back from uh, the state fair. So I had uh, a little bit of a hard time staying off the toilet. Uh, if, if that's uh, that state fair food, yeah. will do that to you. It will, especially when you only eat it once every two years now because COVID shut it down last year. So we apologize. We will absolutely uh, power forward and continue to prevail. But with that being said, we are back this week and excited because, Mike, what is it this week? What is it today? It's NFL opener today. We are mere hours, folks, from the NFL season. Oh, geez. Woo! Yeah, woo! Hey, look at that. We'll clean up Gabe's studio later. But it's uh, NFL opener, folks, which means no more boring sports talk until February. Me and Mike will be rearing and ready to go every single week as uh, we continue to run through everywhere. <laughs> as we continue to run through things here. Um, I am one half of your hosting duties, Nick Huffman, and to my right is the owner of what business is now, Mike? Oh, geez. Uh, I run a training business called Goat Performance Training. and Out there schooling up quarterbacks. Yep. And Kirk then, Cousins, uh, give them a call. Yeah, and then the passing academy that I run to help specifically with quarterbacks and receivers is called uh, Air Traffic Control Passing Academy. And that is the only free advertising that this show will ever do. Right there. There yeah, we go. So it. how you been, Mike? I've been all right. You know, missing the show, but... Um, for those who don't know, I'm a varsity football coach at Andover High School in the North Metro. Um, so that's been keeping me pretty busy. And we have another tough opponent coming up uh, tomorrow with Elk River. Nice. Who's currently ranked uh, 10th in the Metro regardless of class. So uh, we got a, our work cut out for us tomorrow night, but hopefully we're ready. Let's get it. And we will check in with uh, uh, as Mike's season continues to see if he loses any more hair, if that's even possible, coaching a bunch of teenagers. But uh well, That's we got we got a good good out. win our first week. We played a good Brainerd team and, and walked away with a win there. So, off Hold to on. a good start. Oh, look at that! Hey, check it. Starting them young. She's she's gonna take Mike's spot over here one day when uh, when Mike retires from sports broadcasting. If we're starting her this early, so what do we got on the show today, Mike? Uh, big show today. Um, we got to talk about the new young guy in red, white, and blue for Flo the Flow Ryan Express. Yep, Let's go for sure. Uh, we're gonna do a Vikings check in quick. Uh, before the season does actually kick off, we have our AFC and NFC North breakdown to get to. Yep. Uh, we're going to check in on tonight's game, the NFL opener, Bucks cowboys Yep. And then we're going to check in on the weekend's games coming up in week one. We have some pretty interesting storylines. Yes. And then there was a big signing with the Baltimore Ravens backfield as well. Big? I think it might be big uh. with the injuries that they've had. And I don't know, man. He, he might have something left in the tank. And that's a pretty good system to, for him to be in to show what he has left. We'll see. We'll see. All right. We'll talk we'll about see. that as well. But let's so, get, go right into uh, Flo Ryan. Yeah. Because um, I think uh, you're, you might eat a little crow on this one. Well, and hey, we, we talked about it when uh, he – when well, we were set to talk about it uh, last week when yep. we missed the show. He had his major league debut. And he, he had a lights. great debut as well. Had a really good debut and then came out and only got better. And what I said when me and Tevin talked about this on the show a while back was what I wanted to see from him was just being able to do this for longer periods of time. Like can we sustain not just one or you know two, maybe a third rotation through the batting order 
make this the guy that's going to give your bullpen the day off and all you need is your setup guy and your closer to get through a ball game, keep it close. And that is exactly what he's been, and he's paid a ton of credit to the U.S. Olympic team um, for <clears throat> getting him ready as far as like the pressure goes yep. uh, of, of major league ball games. The Twins have made sure he stayed in competitive ball games. He has been lights out. 19 straight batters retired last night. First time since Francisco Liriano in 2011. 2011. That's in, and that was a Cy Young caliber pitcher back then. Yep. And Liriano had the last no hitter like a month before that as well in yeah. May of 11. So, so yeah, seven shutout innings. He's got 17. He had 17 strikeouts in his first two starts with the Saints. Looks to be going about the same direction here. So now looking back at the Nelson Cruz trade, are we not winners of that trade almost already? Uh, well, uh, Pump the brakes. Nelson Cruz has proven sustainability. Joe Ryan needs to prove sustainability. Sure. So let's not put the cart before the horse here. Does this increase the grade that you get on this trade? Yes. Um, but And this is why I said call him up now, right? Because we needed to see where he was going to be at. This is going to give you, if he does this for the rest of the season and say he collects you know, another win or two in their seven-inning seven starts, he collects one loss. You know, you can go into next season going, okay, I maybe have an ace the following year, like not 2022, but 2023, but now I have a second guy in my rotation. So you go, now I just need to find a one and a three in free agency, or is Stroman going to be ready, or can Pineda come back? And you can actually start to piece together a relatively talented pitching rotation with the guys you got coming up from AAA as well. I think if you look, you know, two, three years in the future, now adding Joe Ryan to... Duran and Blazovich and like we have a pretty nice core of young pitchers that are hyper talented. You yes. know, you add Chase Petty into that mix for five years down the road. Like no, the, we might be a dangerous team if we can hold th- these things together. Yeah, because baseball has very much become how healthy are your pitchers gonna be come the postseason and, right. and after the all-star break. And it's gonna be one of the younger rotations, and it's gonna be from what the looks of it is, is one of the more dominant rotations. Now, because we have seen a specific version of success with bringing a pitcher up towards the end of the season. I want to see the rest of the talent. You want to see Blazovich? I would like to see Blazovich. I'd like to see Stroman even maybe in a middle relief role to get him some major. That Those reps matter. Like they talk about it for Kellen Mond and you can talk about it with any other pitcher. You just, you need to be out there. You Whether just the cannot games replicate are meaningless or not. that type of a you scenario, can't. right? So you, you definitely have to kind of, throw them into the deep end and see how they react. So anybody, what I would say if I was the Minnesota Twins right now, I would shut down my All-Stars. No need to get them hurt towards the end of the season. Okay, It was already kind of an odd season to begin with. You can take Buxton and truly start to get him healthy, maybe give him a head start in the offseason. And if there's anybody in a Saints uniform that is playing above average ball at this point in the season, they should be wearing a Twins uniform. Option them up. Get him some reps. That way you'll have you'll have a head start on what your spring training so roster should look like in one, opening day roster. Here's my one retort to that is you could possibly keep the Saints roster strong and go in a championship with the Saints. So and that's and I I don't know enough about uh, minor league baseball. So maybe what we should do is we'll try to get in touch with somebody from the Saints organization or somebody that covers Triple A ball a little bit more heavily, and we can ask what the pressure difference truly is between a Triple A championship run and getting meaningful reps against guys who are going to be pushing for the playoffs in the MLB towards the end of an MLB season and see if they compare. Me personally, I don't think they do because there are a lot of guys that just get stuck forever in AAA and not any of them. Like, think about it. If we go play like 
Cleveland or or the White Sox towards the end of the year here or the Yankees or any of these. Those teams are pushing for MLB playoff spots. Sure. Those are and, I, and I understand that those reps are reps. definitely extremely valuable, especially on the road when those stadiums are going to be packed. Yes. You know, Target Field's attendance has been dripping just because the Twins are clearly out of it. They're yeah. a seller team this year. But at the same time, when you add in, like, you're pitching for a championship, whether it be at AAA or AA, like, that, that's a clutch gene in and of itself. I don't care if there's 14 people in, in the stands. Yeah. You know, that that's a big game. How do you rise to that occasion? That's good for development as well. Yeah, so it's I agree. Kind of a, it's a six of one, half a dozen of the other argument, in my opinion. Yeah, but I mean, you got to think in baseball, it's a little bit different, too, because there's a trickle-down effect. Because if you pull some of those AAA guys up and you've just shut down your your – your like your studs well then you can t- look go into your double a and go okay who's playing really well in double a can they fill that role in triple right. a you can somewhat begin to accelerate your entire system if you actually commit to this and that's i don't think you can do that in a lot of sports like nba g league whether that be uh you know college football or anything like that it's not quite the same because there's not as many layers but you have the opportunity to like literally just hit fast forward on every player from MLB down to a ball if you actually commit to this model and I think that's what would help the twins really figure out where they're at and what moves need to be made in the next two years to make sure we still can take advantage of guys like Polanco arise Buxton as he gets healthy Sano seems to be hitting the ball better he had his 25th home run the other night oh, was it 448 or something like he, that? yeah and he, the guy's just crushing the rock yeah. right now and then you can go out and say can we get Josh Donaldson healthy can Nelson Cruz come back can we get back into you know being the bomba squad with some solid pitching like you can take a look at that if you do this model, I just wonder if uh, the good old poll ads are checked out for the year. See, I just the Anything? the biggest thing to me about that model that's a little apprehensive or makes me a little apprehensive is baseball is a confidence game. Yep. Right. So if you throw a bunch of players who, yeah, they're excelling at the AAA level, but may not be ready, and you just kind of throw them to the wolves at Yankee Stadium in a playoff push Yankee setting, um, and they don't perform. What does that do for their career long term with that hit of confidence? True. You know what I'm so I don't know. There's I could see it going either way. Yeah. I, and I think uh, with everything or anything, there is balance, right? Right. So just like the balance and the per- I'm going to go ahead and call it right now. Joe Ryan has the best hair in baseball. Oh, yeah. Very. <laughs> Flo Ryan, I think, is a good nickname. Dude. We're going to try yeah, to get some like shirts. That. The Flo Ryan Express. And hey, that's that was the other question I had. So throughout these first two starts. 70% of his strikes thrown are that fastball. Do you think that that's sustainable for a guy who only throws mid-90s? Because that seems a little dominant to where if a team sees him more than right. once. So the reason I think it is sustainable is because he, it, it, in the small sample size of Joe Ryan that I have seen currently, mm-hmm. he's very accurate. It, incredibly. He puts the ball exactly where he wants it, right? So that reminds me of like the, that old... Uh, Atlanta Braves rotation, mm-hmm. like Maddox, Glavin, like they, not, all of those guys were kind of mid nineties. Yeah. And Gabe, you might have to help me out here a little bit, but they were all in the mid nineties, but they could place the ball wherever they wanted it. And yeah. it was more inside outside than like currently in baseball, you have a lot of pitchers working up, up and, and down. down. Right. So to see a pitcher come in and throw 94 on the outside corner for a strike for a backwards K is like, Hey, love to see it. And, and and actually, uh, since you're asking, uh, Greg Maddox in his prime was really topping out at 91, yeah. 92. Like it just he he 
he really is the template for it. And another guy, this guy brings to mind to me is like Brad Radke. Yep. Kind we of. were Just talking like about a that. Guy yep. who gets a lot of downward motion on that ball, locates it well. I mean, I mean, it's funny in this game today, I'm just suspicious. It's everyone is such a freak now that yeah. it's hard to get excited about someone who locates. But obviously we have plenty of examples of guys who did that, you know, spectacularly. Well. Very successful. So, yeah. 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 So it's just almost, hard to get excited when he's not striking out 11 dudes. He almost also reminds me just based on frame and the way he pitches. Now I know he doesn't have the dominant over the top curveball that Tim Lincecum had, but does that not remind you of his build and his body of work, the tempo that Is he it plays just the with? flow that reminds you of Tim a, Lincecum a little, a little bit, bit, but no, uh, just, just like the, the flow. Yeah, that's a flow thing. <laughs> he's better built. It's the confidence that he goes out. You can, you couldn't tell me that this guy's 24 years old. And that, he's in his that is second one thing. Major yeah, exactly. Start. The confidence level. Um, he, he doesn't get shook. From what I've seen, no, right? Like he lets up a base knock, and he's right back at the batter. He's and focused. That's great that's to pace. see, especially at that age and in, in this stage of his development. He's so. a potential leader of this bullpen for the next ten years if he can just continue Agreed. to string it together. Agreed. So, and and if it does continue on this path, we have to be the winners of this trade. Yeah, absolutely. Like hands down. Yeah. Okay. I would agree. I would agree. And Strowman's pitching well for the Saints. He had a solid outing like two nights ago. So I mean, two for two so far. And Woods Richardson is on his way up as well. That's true. So that is true. I, I think as frustrated as we were to see those big names go and a second pitcher in Jose Barrios, I think long term these could have been good deals for us. I agree. And I'm, I'm just excited. Are that you agreeing with me now? Are you switching your... No, but I'm just glad to see that maybe we have gone back to the way the Twins used to be built. Get the young guys that are good, evaluate well, and, and do it your way, sure. right? Versus, hey, can we go out and buy an ex-Yankee or... I mean, that's why, I, like, I, I I still am not a huge fan of the Donaldson signing. I'm not either. Because he's I four years fan. past his prime. We're paying him a little bit too much. He can't stay healthy. Pineda's the same way. Yep. You know what I mean? So, like, we're, we're on the same page there. So, hey, by the way, folks, this is an interactive show. So if you uh, agree and or disagree with any of these takes, feel free to comment into the show. We will get to you live. And if not, we will go back through our social media platforms and make sure that we respond. And we didn't get to those uh, at the beginning of the show. So we'll just hit them now. Mike, what platforms can people find us on? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Fuck YouTube. Fuck YouTube. <laughs> Uh, those are other t-shirts we'll probably have made at some point before we get a cease and desist yeah, order youtube doesn't like us right now so but if you don't catch us on thursdays you can also catch us on saturdays uh and on fridays sometimes for the reruns uh saturdays at one fridays in the evening sometimes on mn channel six and if you don't have basic cable you can get us on roku folks yep Welcome to football season. So now we can move on over from baseball and we can head right on into our Vikings check-in. Now there has been a lot of uh, news that has been made since me and you were last together to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Um, some good, some bad. Some good, some bad. So we've got two new contracts that I was hoping were going to get done. Both of them get done before the season in Harrison Smith and Brian O'Neill, but then we lose Irv Smith Jr. Uh, to a torn meniscus. So we're going to start to kind of unpack this one piece at a time and we can start with the Harrison Smith deal. Best um, safety in football, in my opinion. Has been for the last six years, yep. it seems like, and he just never gets the respect that he's owed. He is the most intellectually talented safety in football. He tackles better than the majority of most. Um, I know a lot of people were making a big deal about the overall numbers on the contract itself because it was a four-year, what, $64 million extension is is yep. you know, is what I heard. I mean, but if you look at what the base salary is, we unload the majority of it 
in year 34 and 35. However, um, with the way that contracts are structured, if we get rid of Kirk or there's some extra cap space that opens up, you can kick a lot of that up into this the year where he's going to make just shy of $3 million and begin to just like level this thing out. Uh, and if you just continue to push the money forward, if he does begin to tail at the end of his career, then you don't feel like you've overpaid on this contract. This is a very, very smart deal for the Minnesota Vikings. That's the one thing that I'm a little hesitant about this deal is because we do carry him until he's 36 years old. Mm-hmm. And if he maintains or you know doesn't even drop off drastically, if he drops off a slight amount, He'd still be a top five, top ten safety, and I'm okay with us paying him that money. Yeah. It's if he declines quickly and we're kind of stuck with that dead cap that this could be a bad deal. Yeah, I mean, potentially, but if the and the thing that gives me security in this is knowing that Zim has already taken a guy like Terrence Newman and taught him how to age gracefully and how to just be smarter, not necessarily faster or stronger, maintain your body. Switched his role to a nickel role as well. Right. So he so just like, didn't have to cover as much ground. At some point, maybe you do see Harrison Smith more exclusively playing down in the box, downhill, he loses a step. Okay, now he's just like a glorified linebacker. You, you can see the, the Dallas Cowboys doing that with Keanu Neal right now. Yep. Like this, there's definitely ways with how he plays football to extend his career. And I'm okay with it. I think he's a leader in the locker room. He is very much one of like the cornerstones identity-wise for what Zim built this team to be. And he's going to be, if you ask me, he's going to quietly sneak his way right into the Hall of Fame um, with the career that he's going to put together because I wouldn't be surprised if he plays till he's 40. You know what I mean? Just I'm not going to go that far. Just but as a piece. I'm not going to go as far as to say that he'll play until he's 40, but I would agree that... With the sample size that we've seen, I would argue that he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, he does fit what Zim likes to do. I would be okay with him. He does play a lot in the box currently, you know, with that free safety center fielder that we play in our defense. Um, but to see him move down in the box as a permanent role wouldn't be a bad thing, especially if he does, you know, lose a step or two. Yep. Um, I wouldn't hate to see him bump out to nickel. I think he's smart enough. His yeah. football IQ is high enough that he could basically switch spots in that defensive secondary. So overall, it's a great signing. Um, just with a little bit of holding my breath, how far is he going to decline? Because, I mean, it's just an age factor, right? Everybody declines other than one guy that I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And fuck Tom Brady for never <laughs> declining. But, like, do you think there's a little bit of hedging your – if do you think there was a – they protected their investment with how they came in and did the defensive line now, which is going to cover some of the issues that guys like Patrick Peterson or Harrison Smith might have in age. Well, and that's the thing is if you have typically when you have older defensive backs, <clears throat> they're smarter and can see what's coming, yep. but they, they just don't have that reactionary step. Right. So yep. when you run double moves or crossing patterns deep down the field, it's tougher for them to cover. But when you have a good defensive line that can, rush the passer and not give him three, three point five seconds to exactly. read those deep routes. Um, I would, I would definitely agree with you that that was part of the planning. Like, Hey, we have a little bit older secondary. Now we got to go get the quarterback. We got to go get the quarterback. Yeah, I would agree. I would 110% agree. So uh, a plus signing for me and you both on the, with a little bit of hesitancy. Yeah. I'm going to say a, a just, just because of my hesitant nature. Um, I'd say a, if, if this could have been like a two year deal, two to three year deal, What's the tif- typical longevity of a physical safety like that? Any I mean, examples? I, um, you know, Brian Dawkins kind of comes to mind right away. Yeah. Cam Chancellor was out of the league by like 32. Yep. Um, I want to say Dawkins was like 34, 35. So yep. the fact that we have him signed through 36 is a little 
But I think he's – and the other part is it's a different NFL. When you think yep. Palomalu, when you think Dawkins, when you think guys like Bob Sanders, Camp Chancellor, right. targeting penalties very much a thing. A lot of high collisions. A lot of those guys also started their careers on special teams as well. Now, when you talk about today's game, it's a, there's less head injuries. Players – I mean, I just less think, in the preseason. I just think you look so at the advancement of the. Yeah. I think you just look at the advancement of keeping your body right as yep. well, right? So these these athletes today are investing a million dollars a year in keeping their body right as perfect as possible. And like that just wasn't a camp. thing 10, 15 years ago. It and wasn't. Vets are doing less in camp, right? right? Like the, you're seeing the implementation of soft helmets and less contact. And let's see. Uh, Tevin Pittman says, will the hitman play longer than Terrence Newman? When did Terrence Newman retire? 42? Oh, was it that old? I, I was going to say 40. I, I personally been. don't think so. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is his last contract in the NFL. Um, maybe one more after, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's done right around 35, 36. I mean, Terrence Newman played 16 seasons. So 39, 38, 39 if he came out at 22 typically. Yeah, I mean, so does does Harrison Smith play another six years yes. at, at this level? You think? Yes. Okay. Well, I think he. I think he retires as one of the. I think he retires as one of the greatest Vikings <laughs> to strap it up. Forty-two year old guy says Steve Atwater, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, I think there's there's potential there, and like I said, I just think the way that they're going into kind of like the player empowerment, if as long as he doesn't fall out of love with the game, which it doesn't seem like he's ever going to. I think to. he loves being in the purple and gold too, which helps. Right, and I mean, right. So I think if he signed this contract with a separate team, he might not have lasted that long. But because but we'll it's get with it. us, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Aon, Aon, both of those. And then we can slide on over to the other contract that just came across the table yesterday. Yep. Five years, what is it, 92 and a half? Five years, 92 million. Look so at we me have, knowing contracts. Oh, my gosh, right. turning a new leaf, huh? Rubbing off on him in his, uh, in his time away. <laughs> um, but, yeah, five years, $92 million. This gives us control of him for the next six seasons. As a second-round draft pick, I mean – Back the Brinks truck up. This is totally deserved. He has been one of the more solid right tackles in all of football over the last couple of seasons. Um, he's in a division where he's constantly under duress uh, with the Smith brothers. He gets to square off against Khalil Mack a lot um, and whatever's going on with the Bears. I know we've had some playoff or some some seasons where we've needed him to perform, and he's performed as need be. And if the Vikings are going to be able to stay successful post-Kirk Cousins, the offensive line is going to be where it's going to start because if you're going to bring in a young quarterback like Kellen Mond behind him, you need to have the anchors up front and the ability to run block for Dalvin Cook. So I'm going to rate this one as a B. Okay. Um, And the only reason it's not an A is because this kind of reminds me of like that handcuff signing. Like you kind of had to sign him because you're not going to get anybody better. But he's the second highest paid right tackle in the league right now. Yes. By average annual salary. And... In my opinion, I don't think he's the second best right tackle in the league. Yeah, but I don't think the money fucking matters. Like the more that I listen to these shows and all of the cap gymnastics, but of that course it matters happen, though because it you have matter. a set amount of cap to dedicate to a roster. So now you're paying your right tackle as the second highest paid right tackle in the league when he's top ten. 
Yeah, but you got to think. I'm assuming that he's the first of a lot of right tackles that are going to have to resign. I'm just going to make an assumption. You also have to keep in mind the cap is down this year, but it's going to skyrocket next year when these when this new TV money comes in, and that's how a lot of these teams are building these contracts, knowing that in the next three to four years there's going to be more room under the cap, so they can I increase just, the value of these guys now and get a little bit of a hometown discount before the number goes up. I just look at this as like the Vikings. They had to sign him. I won't say that they shouldn't have. I won't go that far. But we were handcuffed because of the money. Into- like Brian O'Neill was in a great spot to get paid, is what it was. Yeah. Where, I, where would you put him? Like, if you were to rank the right tackles around the league, I think he's. Is top he right five. behind Ryan Ramchek? I think he's top five. Because what Glass now is at right tackle, right? Yeah. Ragnar is at right tackle for the Lions. Yeah. Well, no, Ragnar is a center. I thought center. Uh. Eric Fisher has decreased. See, that's the thing too. Is like Mitchell Schwartz is a little older, and and it's not like he's a left tackle. You know, he he is a right tackle, and, and he's a one of the best run blockers in the game. Yeah, but how much value do you put to run blocking when you have a guy like Dalvin Cook in age? Well, when you have a guy like Dalvin Cook and you're transitioning away from Kirk Cousins, this like I said, this is right time, right place for him. And he's going to be a staple on the Minnesota. He's See, going to be I just one of those long-term I don't necessarily guys like Hutch. Disagree. It's just I think we were handcuffed into paying him too much. Mm, I, well, we'll see because it's all going to it's all going to make a whole lot of sense when we see what the official cap numbers are with fans back this season and the TV deal kicking in next year. I I, I think that this is a smart signing. Uh, years ago, we thought the Kirk Cousin contracts would end the Vikings' ability to make moves. You can always move money around. To make things work, Tevin Pittman is correct, right? The money just doesn't matter anymore. Taysom Hill has a hundred and sixty-four million dollar deal or whatever, and none of it is guaranteed. Money doesn't matter. They're throwing around monopoly. Money cash. doesn't matter. They're throwing around monopoly Both cash at this right point, there. folks. Jeez. So just continue to kick the can down the line until you win a Super Bowl and then reset like the Saints did. That's what everybody's going to begin to do. All right. So um, now off from jovial news to. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking news. Uh, Irv Smith Jr. out for the season with a torn meniscus. Well, out indefinitely. Um, this is going to be done for this. This season. is a bummer. This is a real bummer. This gives In his me first very, year ready to take over the role from Kyle Rudolph. And I saw him as a 65 catch, 900 yard, seven touchdown guy minimum. He was going to be a top five tight end. This yeah. This year. Uh, his, I loved him as a pick coming out of Alabama. I just knew he was going to have to sit. I wish he would have got more shine. The, the His ability to show in spots last year and then what he was able to do uncovering himself as the number one target in the preseason minus Cook, Jefferson, and Thielen and still be productive led me to believe that Irv Smith was going to be wildly successful. His floor was going to be real high and Lord knows what the ceilings would have been. I know and he was I, in the tight end and uh, I don't U think camp this year too. A tour meniscus is something that he can't come back from. He'll it, be back right at that same level next year. Unfortunately, our winning window is, is closing rapidly. And to to downgrade and you know, I actually know a little bit about Christopher Herndon. Okay. The model tight end that he is does fit what Irv Smith was, right? Yep. So he's he's a little slender more slender. He's Faster tight end, good route runner, more of a receiving tight end. Um, you know, and we still have Conklin for that zone blocking scheme that we do run the football with. CJ Ham can fill in on some of those line spots as right. well in single so, back situations. We'll miss Irv, but I don't think as much as we think. 
Yeah, it just, I get vibes, and I know this is going to be weird, but think about the time we were in. He wasn't necessarily truly Adrian Peterson at that point. He was kind of on the decline. But do you remember when AP, when we first got into US Bank or something, and he tore his meniscus, and we were like, that was kind of the piece we needed to get over the hump. This very much reminds me of that. We all were sitting there crossing our fingers going, let it be a trim, let it be a trim, let it be a trim, and it wound up needing to be a repair, and it just kind of deflated the locker room. I hope that that is not what has happened. I know that a three-wide receiver set might not be a bad thing for Kirk Cousins. Pulling more guys outside of the box might be a good thing for him and Dalvin Cook both. Maybe you just run a little bit more shotgun, you run some draw game. I mean, that's what they, that's what like Kirk that. had so, success with in Washington was four receiver sets. Yes. Gun look, and I mean, they even went some no huddle. And yeah. that man chucked the ball all over the yard. They weren't able to bring that pressure like they are in that Viking system because we're two tight ends a lot. Yeah. You know, so, that brings guys into the box, brings guys tighter. It's tougher to read blitzes at that point in time. So, yeah. So we very, we very well. This could might, be addition by subtraction a little bit. Exactly. A blessing in disguise. Um, that is the, the, the glass half full version of that story. This is a bummer for Irv Smith. I only hope that he continues to rehab. If he can come back at any point in the season, he will absolutely be a weapon for the Minnesota Vikings. And he's going to be a weapon for years to come. Um, I think, you know. Now, this is his third season, correct? Yep. So he'll have next year, contract year, Yeah. Uh, to prove what he can do, which I think adds more pressure to Irv. As a starter, I put him, like, what I would have expected from him this year is I always expect it to pretty much be Kelsey, Kittle, Waller. Um, and then you're looking at... Uh, what's the tight end for the Cowboys, who's a quicker guy as well? Oh, Jarwin. No, no. Uh, yep, Gisecki. Blake Jar- Jarwin. Gisecki yep, Mike for me. up there. But, like... That frame of tight end is kind of what we're going towards. And Christopher Herndon does fit that frame. He really does. He's just not of that level. Yeah, and... But if you're asking me stats-wise, where would he have landed at the end of the season? The reason why this hurts so much is I get below Darren Waller, obviously. So top five, you're thinking? But I think he's a he is like a top, he's four, maybe five, and you can make an argument, you know, for him in that level, but he needs to be healthy. So that is what we got to kind of aim for moving forward, which is unfortunate. Yep. So um, let us know what you guys think on the Irv Smith injury. Uh, how long before he's back? Uh, what's he going to be like when he is back? Uh, does this change the over-under for you guys on the Vikings win-loss total for the season? Uh, and how happy are you with the two new contracts that uh, the Vikings have signed on to kind of sure up some of the future uh, with guys like Anthony Barr and Kirk Cousins seeming to be coming to an end and on their way out the door? Um, so, so really quick. Let's cover what your keys are to a successful Vikings season. Yes, let's do that real quick. Um, so, and I, I kind of did this based on what I wanted our team to be for a Super Bowl run. Sure. Okay. What is going to be required for them to make the step? Because my thing has always been NFC Championship game or, or bust with Kirk Cousins, because that's why we brought him in post. That's where Case Case got to, right? Case Keenum got us, right? And so I I was thinking, need to see seventy percent completion percentage from Kirk Cousins all season. That's high. That's very high. All right. Okay. That's that's where it needs to be. We need to see very reminiscent of what Sam Bradford uh, was doing when he was here. Just continue continue to make the smart play. Right. Play, down in and down out because you have Dalvin Cook. Okay. You have Alexander Madison. You have a great defense as well. So a, don't be afraid to punt the football. Yeah, exactly. Let that let that lead the team. 
And with that also needs to come 10 or fewer turnovers. Kirk Cousins floats somewhere around the 11 to 14 pick number, and he's always got about four or five fumbles. We need to take some numbers off of each one of those yep. to give and because some of them have come in crunch time. And if you can eliminate the ones that don't come in crunch time, maybe you can steal one when you are in a situation where you need it, right? So that's what I need to see from Kirk himself, okay? As far as the offense goes, Dalvin needs to be getting 18 to 22 rushes per, rushes per game. Still include him in the receiving game, and we're most successful when he gets over 100 yards. So that's what the offense needs to look like. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen this year, get in where you fit in. Don't drop any passes. Who do you, who do you see leading out of those two? Does Jefferson take the one roll this year? Yes. I would agree. Because Adam Thielen has always worked better as a complimentary yep. receiver. Um, as I think a slot. When Diggs was here and Diggs was rolling, what made Adam Thielen Adam Thielen was the attention that was being paid to the number one guy. Not yep. to say that Adam Thielen isn't, you know. Talented uh, enough. Talented enough. Like the NFL top 100 had him at 80. Yep. And that's behind guys like Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, and Michael Thomas. I'm sorry. Adam Thielen is better than all three of those receivers. But it. That only comes through when there's someone else that can be paid attention to. Right. Okay. Um, so they just need to get in where they fit in. Um, continue to produce the way you did last year. Par for the course. Okay. I think I think the biggest uh, determinant of success for the Vikings this year is going to be how does that revamp defense play? I think our offense is going to be able to put up points and control the football <clears throat> just because that's how we're built. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, Is our defense going to be able to stop those high-powered offenses? Are we going to be able to hold Green Bay to 14 points? Mm-hmm. That's the question for me. It needs to be roughly per game 250 passing allowed, around 100 rushing, and we need to be getting to the quarterbacks two and a half to three and a half times. So per I'm not going to disagree with those numbers at all, but the biggest determinant for me is turnovers. Can we get two or three turnovers a game? Can we pressure the quarterback enough that he's th- making bad decisions and throwing interceptions? You're, you're, so you, your money guys, and we we saw it on PFT, me and Gabe, when we were setting the show up today, the Vikings financially are top heavy. All of our money is invested into our starters. We have now crossed into the territory of what the Saints used to be, kind of where the Kansas City Chiefs are sitting. We don't have depth, but we have the power in our front line to get the job done. Right. So what I'm what I mean, but like I want two and a half to three and a half sacks per game average from just the guys on the defensive line. Okay. Daniel Hunter needs to get one. Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson need to be in the mix. And then you need to get one or a half a sack per game from a guy like Wanham Weatherly or Everson Griffin. Okay. Aaron Kendricks, Anthony Barr, and whoever the weak side linebacker is going to be just need to play solid. And then the the corners just need to not make mistakes. Don't get burnt. Right. You've got the defensive line pressure. We could easily lead the league this year in sacks, very easily. And that's what you need to predicate this defense around. Layered pass rush only going four guys and winning those matchups and letting the rest of the defense react to what's going to be available to them after that. Agreed. So if that's what we can do. I think you need to make teams earn it against you. Yes. Bend, right. but don't break. Right. Don't give anything up. Yep. You know what I mean? So, and and we've got the talent to do it. The defense needs to show up. The offense then needs to fall in behind it. Defense still wins championships. Offense wins regular season games. That's fine. But needs to be a defensive led team. Kirk just needs to know that and and not make the mistake. <laughs> so, what's your true win loss prediction for the Vikings? Really quick, and then we'll move on. Oh, we're gonna get to that at the end of the NFC North predictions. All right, perfect. So, so let's kick it off with the AFC North predictions then. Yeah, let's go to the Well, first of all, if you guys agree with us on uh, what it's going to take for the – or let us know what you guys think it's going to take for the Minnesota Vikings to 
make a run at a Super Bowl this year? What are some of the keys and the X factors that you guys see available? Let us know in the comments, as always. We will get back to you. Um, but now we can wrap up our season predictions. We'll be posting these on Instagram so we can hold everybody accountable here after the show today. Um, so go check those out, and we can start with the NFC North, and we are going to go through win-loss totals and standout players, and then we'll kick on over to the NFC as we wind down the show for NFL Kickoff Week. Mike, let's start with the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. So I think that this is the team that wins the AFC North. And I know that it's not the team that you think wins the AFC North. I can't. Well, I can't. But they're re- they're a really good football team. Um, well, and the thing is, is this is a true football team to me, right? Yes. They're they're going to come out and run the same stuff every week. Wing T. And you just can't stop it. Yeah. Right. They have one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the league, who I the, think is the just, most dynamic quarterback in the league, and he's just getting better. He truly is. Right. He's he's continuing to prove the haters wrong. Um, they have a running back by committee system in their backfield. They added some, uh, threats and weapons on the outside as well. I think this is a good, good football team people. And I think that they're going to sit at probably 12 and five at the end of the year, um, with the Browns, probably a game or two behind them. So those games against Cleveland, um, on, you know, week, what is it? Uh, week one right away this weekend. Yep. And then week 14, those two games against the Browns, I think, are going to be kind of the determining factor for the AFC North. I don't see anybody else, you know, Steelers. I just, I see them as being a kind of a mediocre to average team. Uh, I see what your record is for them. Don't worry. Um, And the Bengals are still just kind of growing into who the Mm -hmm. Bengals are going to be. So, yeah. So for me, it's, it's, you got to realize that I heard a stat from Nick Wright this morning as I was combing through some some sports videos on YouTube. If you take out the two losses that Lamar Jackson has to Patrick Mahomes or the losses that he has to the guy in the number one spot, Lamar Jackson has not even reached double-digit losses in the regular season. This guy is a gamer. Go for it on He's fourth down. Give me the smoke. I'm taking it. Put the team on my back. And he has improved weapons this year. Um, Sammy Watkins I don't think is ever going to be a legitimate one. Okay. Like we thought he could have. Right. He right. and coming but out of Clemson. He's, he's a good But when you complement him with a heavy run game like this and you have Hollywood Brown to actually take the top off the defense and then Rashad Bateman to kind of run your slot underneath possession, it could uncover it could uncover Sammy. And I think this is where we're gonna the year where we're gonna see Lamar Jackson take a step in in the passing game. Okay. We'll get to the He's not belt. just throwing to his tight ends anymore, folks. Exactly. <laughs> Which by the way, congratulations to Mark Andrews absolutely getting fucking paid the other day right. as well. Um but it's it's one of those scenarios to where if Lamar takes that step forward in the passing game, maybe the Levon the Le'Veon Bell tr- signing makes a little bit more sense. But we'll get to that at the end of the show because he's a little bit more of a receiving back than he is a running back when he's involved in the game. And I think that's what they're looking for is weapons to outside of that read option where you'll see um, Gus Edwards, I'm sure, a lot this year. A lot of the single back stuff where you swing oh. out, out of the backfield and will who, be. And who else is going to be in their backfield? Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, that's and we'll talk about him at the end of the show. So I got the uh, Baltimore Ravens at eleven and six. Um, o line just isn't; it's not improving, but it's not getting any worse as well. So I worry about that a little bit. Okay. So um, let us know what you guys think on the Baltimore Ravens and the former MVP Lamar Jackson. Uh, will he return to MVP form and carry them to a Super Bowl this year, or is it going to be more playoff struggles? Now, outside of that, we can kick on over to the. Pittsburgh feelers, which is kind of how that team feels this year. Just a bunch of soft ass motherfuckers over there in Pittsburgh. Oh, geez. I don't, I wouldn't go that far. 
Um, this is a bad football team, folks. Oh, my God. I wouldn't go that far either. It is a bad football team. This is the first time I think that Mike Tomlin has ever put a subpar product out on the field. They struggle on the front five of that offensive line so bad that it's going to wipe out the Najee Harris pick. I'm sorry. I have zero confidence in the fact that Ben Roethlisberger is going to be any better late in the season with a bad arm than he was last year. Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster are both twos, not ones, at wide receiver. They're going to struggle to score points, and I don't think that defense is going to be able to keep up, especially early in the season when T.J. Watt has been a hold-in and not been participating because he doesn't have a contract done. This is a mess. The Steelers are loud, and it's getting it's, it's just always chaos now. It's just always festering chaos ever since the Le'Veon Bell situation and the Antonio Brown situation in Pittsburgh. And until Ben Roethlisberger retires, and they can change that guard over completely, it's going to be more of the same. 5-12 and 12 football team this year. Who hurt you? Are you okay? Yeah, I am. It's football season. This is a 9-8 and eight team. No. How many times has Mike Tomlin missed the playoffs as the head coach of the Steelers? Never. Never. Not once. Yep. And now you're saying that they're going to go 5-12? and 12? Yep. No. No, no, no. This division is way they're, above them. They're, that is correct. Way above That them. is true. However... Football is an any given Sunday type thing, right? So they might steal a game here or there from the Browns or Ravens. Okay. They're going to beat the Bengals in both games. Twice, yep. Okay. They have it in average schedule, maybe above average schedule. Above average schedule. Okay. But this is a 9-8 and eight football team just because of who Mike Tomlin is. He will have them maybe. ready. They have too many weapons on the offensive side of the ball to not be in games. Najee Harris is Najee Harris. I don't care who you put in front of him to block for him. They are a Ben They have Chase Claypool. They have Juju, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, the TikTok king. Dancing on logos and losing football games. That's what he does. Nine and eight. No, bad Nine bad football eight. team. Let us know what you guys think. Obviously, we differ in opinion in this one. I had everybody beating the Steelers Someone, in the I think, before this. might have beaten Nick with a switch with a Steelers jersey on or something. Like, he no. is hating today. I, I am normally a fan of the way that the Pit- Pittsburgh feelers, Pittsburgh feelers, <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers play football. It's just difficult for me to look at the roster and the rosters that they're going against. You realize, in all honesty... They are a Ben Roethlisberger injury away from any of the games that they could be in. Haven't they? Haven't they been a Ben Roethlisberger out. injury away from being a horrible team for years, though? Like, oh yeah, because Mason Rudolph was the freaking savior going out and getting beat by Miles Garrett in the head. All right, let me. I'm just gonna ask you one question. Alex Smith, right, was always, always great early in the season, always in MVP races, always part of competing teams. And then what happened late in the season in the playoffs? He stunk and he ran himself right out of the league. That is who Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers are. Ben right Roethlisberger now. has two rings, bro. Has past tense, like it's he got them. He's not getting another. Brady one. has seven rings. Past tense. He just got one like, last that's year. A dumb argument. When's the last time that he was a relevant quarterback in a playoff push? Last year they were sitting at eleven and zero. A relevant quarterback in a playoff. They went zero and five to finish the year last year, still, and then were, got fucking st- ass paddled by the Browns. Still. So don't give me that shit. All right, let us know what you guys think. Oh, here we go. Jesse Orak, the Steelers might only win three games. Big Ben can maybe throw the ball 17 yards. Yes, thank you very much. He's the same quarterback that Phillip Rivers That's was fine. the last you year and, in San Diego. You and Jesse can both be wrong. I'm okay with that. No, okay. Now you're calling our fans wrong? What is this? The customer's always right, Mike. As is present tense, by the way. Shut the fuck up, Gabe. <laughs> All um, right, moving on go. to the worst team. Can we both agree that this is the worst team in the AFC North? Yeah. Not by much, but yeah. Oh, my God. All right, so the Cincinnati Bungles... Or still the Bungles. Yeah. Um, Joe Burrow is coming off an injury. He will be a good quarterback this year. Yeah. I'm Next year, very intrigued to see 
the week one matchup against the Vikings. Yeah, me too. And how he bounces back from that injury going against a good pass rush. He's going to get a ton of... They're going to let Daniil Hunter and that defensive line eat in week one with him having come out in the preseason and said that, you know... Now, they get John Williams back as well. I don't know if that's enough, my guy. This I would I would have to come close to agreeing with the record for the Bengals here uh, four and thirteen five and twelve right in there yeah um, but I think that so like if they finish five and twelve they're in two or three of those losses yeah you know no, what I I'm agree. saying like they're a team that's going to this is an okay football by seven, team by less yeah. than seven points yeah this is an up and coming okay football team that just needs a year or two more under their belt. And I think they kind of replace the Steelers that are falling from grace. Yes. Not yet. Not yet. But next but you'll see next, next year, year. I think the Steelers are in the hunt for the AFC North title this year again. Yep. With the Ravens taking it. The Steelers fall off even more the next year, and the Bengals are starting to kind of go up and replace This them. is the most cannibalistic division in football, and it has been for a very long time. I disagree. Long, I, I think the NFC time. West is. Oh, that too. Okay. I can agree. There are a lot of them, but this one seems to be – Mike wrong about the Steelers, Nick wrong about English. <laughs> Tevin Nick's usually City. wrong about English. It's all good. Yeah, I'm not. Nobody ever said that I went any further than high school. Um, but now the Bengals are going to be bad. Listen, this is still a rebuild, and this is still technically Joe Burrow's rookie year, and now he's dealing with, like, I know he got seven starts last year before he went down or whatever, but But it was also a COVID year. He didn't have true camp. No fans. A right. lot of the defensive standouts were holdouts. Yeah, he, um, he didn't go into Pittsburgh and face – the terrible towels and stuff, you know, like it's, it's, a, it's, it's a different beast. So this different. is, this is going to be his rookie season. Okay. I very much see this as the, and I hate to draw this comparison as to what you saw out of Ben Simmons in his rookie season after sitting out his entire first year, it's going to be reminiscent. He's going to look like he's better than a lot of the guys in his class. He's had a lot of time to watch film. Guys don't have a lot of film on. Does him. he have a better year than Herbert? Yeah. Uh, no. Herbert's got more weapons. You got to think before you yeah. think sometimes. No, Herbert's got more weapons. But Joe Burrow is going to be a good quarterback. I think they are a coaching change and a number another top pick. Another away. coaching change. You don't like Zach Taylor? I don't. We'll see how it goes this year. But I don't think he's great at game management. All right. So let's move on to who you think is going to win the AFC North. The Cleveland Browns. Yeah, this is a stacked roster from top to bottom. They could easily walk away with from wins with Houston, Chicago, Chargers, Cardinals, Broncos, Steelers, Bengals twice, Bengals twice, Pats, Lions, Ravens, Raiders. Okay. That, that makes them a 12 and 5 football team, and they don't even have to win some of the more difficult games on their schedule. That's going to put them in contention for a home game as well, I believe, at 12 and 5. And they are the most well-rounded roster. They're going to get a well-behaved Baker Mayfield in a contract year. They're going to get a healthy Odell Beckham back this year. Another year with Chubb, coached by another up-and-coming coach that never should have left the the uh, fucking Minnesota sports campus. It's a good roster. They're a good team, and they're not playing a super, super difficult schedule. The worst thing that the Browns have this year are high expectations. Yeah. this is The Browns never do well when they're supposed to do well. Sounds like the Vikings. I think that these guys are probably – I think they let a couple games slip mm. that they shouldn't let slip. I don't think Baker Mayfield, even though he's unfortunately my fantasy quarterback, um, I don't think that he is – He he's a game manager at the at the end of the day, in my opinion. He's he's truly a game manager in the NFL. Um, you know, Thankfully, he does have a good running game behind him that makes him look good, and yep. then he has – extremely talented weapons on the outside as yep. well. Um, I'm going to say 10 and 7, 11 and 6, right? Right in that. Okay. But, and, I, but I think the Ravens take the division. I really do. 
I think it goes Ravens, Browns, Steelers, Bungles. No, you have Browns first. But or, yeah, Browns, Ravens, Steelers, Bungles. Sorry. Um, it, it's just gonna be it's gonna be close. There are some divisions like this one where there's a, a large disparity between the top two teams and the bottom two teams. I don't think the, I just don't see the Steelers as being in the bottom two. The Steelers won't be able to sniff the Browns or the fucking Ravens this year. It's going to be a hard road traveled for them. You're insulting my man, Mike Tomlin, man. Maybe I just want him to come back to Minnesota by insulting him and saying his team no, is just get trash. him out of get him out of Pittsburgh. He never should have left. Neither should Stefanski. He, he hasn't missed the playoffs one time in his career, and you think that he's only going to win five of seventeen games? Everybody's due. Like that's that's the thing is like yes, Jesse, I appreciate you being a fan of us. I appreciate you tuning into the show, <laughs> but the fact that you think the Steelers are only going to win three games with Mike Tomlin at the helm is just let's give that man his I didn't due say respect. Three. They'll win five. Jesse games. said three. At five games. Mm-mm. You know what it is? It's karma for Mike Tomlin making that comment on the sideline last year. I don't want to ever lose enough games to get a guy that looks like you. Well, now you're going to get one because your team is going to be BAD bad this year. How is that? Car- That's a good thing to say. That's a nice thing to say to it a is, player. But it's not. A, he was kind of being arrogant. I don't ever want to lose enough games to get a guy that looks like you. Well, now you're going to get one. We'll see. All right. Let's so, move to the NFC North. Yeah, after we let people know that they can comment about the AFC North. Jeez, Mike, pay attention to the fans, man. A little a goddamn little bit of respect for them. Well, and they say the, the Steelers are going to win three in. games. I don't know. You can ignore the grumpy balding guy to my right. Um, let's move on to the NFC South. Um, NFC, or, North. NFC North. I have South on the sheet here. Yeah, um, you're the, not great with that English thing. NFC North, uh, the, which is our division. Our division, so man. Break it down, and we. this is probably the only one where I can comfortably sit back and be like subject matter experts over here because I watch way too much football pertaining to what surrounds the Vikings. And we can kick things off with the Detroit Lions. Mike, how many wins, how many losses for this Dan Campbell football team? Um, Maybe six wins. I got four. I mean, we were talking about this yesterday, too. Like, with my predictions, I think I'm giving teams more wins. At the bottom of like the at the bottom divisions. of divisions, but I just don't see this Detroit team as being a true bottom feeder. How? What name? Name a defensive starter other than uh, the corner that they took. I literally year. cannot. Okay, name somebody in their wide receiving core who will reach a thousand yards this year. Can't do name it. a running back you think that can stay healthy and rush for a thousand. Can't do it. Name their defensive coordinator. Can't do it. Okay, this is a bad football team, Mike. I mean. <laughs> Yes, but they're playing not a great schedule, right? So, like, I don't know. You just actually, when you go through it, that's a pretty good schedule. Yeah, like, I was looking at it, and, like, the only game that I'm, like, very certain that they could probably win is stealing one from the Bears. Otherwise, like, the Bengals are better than they are. The Falcons got Matt Ryan. They're not going to be able to contain Kyler Murray. Uh, The Steelers are still better than they are. Jalen Hurts will give that defense fits. Then they've got guys like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, uh... Lamar Jackson, Kirk is... It's just, there's not a lot of wins. This could be, they could have the number one overall pick again next year. I love Dan Campbell. So, so, but you think the Lions are worse than the Jets? Pretty close. Pretty fucking close. The, the Lions always scare me just because I feel like they play their best football against the Vikings. They play their best football in division. Actually, I think they play their best football against Green Bay, which I absolutely love that yeah. they give Aaron Rodgers a heart attack every couple, every couple years. But like, it's just, it's a bad team. Our division took massive steps forward, and they didn't. They decided to hit the rebuild button while we were hitting the build button. It's just they're behind by a year and a half. They've always been behind by a year and a half, though. So I don't, I don't, and unfortunately for Detroit Lions fans, I don't have a whole lot better news for you. Like, 
I penciled you in for. I mean, I, I would agree that they're going to be at the bottom of the division. I just. Would it surprise you if they went one in 16? Surprise me? No. Okay. That's, that should tell you all you need to know. About but like, Detroit. I just, I just see Detroit being one of those teams that with no name players, like that's how you become a household name, right? Is they start these no name players. Like who really knew Kenny Galladay four years ago? Yeah, but then they leave. Nobody. Who knew Carry-On Johnson four years? Yeah, but my point is they replace, right? Yeah, but there's never enough of them in the building at the same time. Agreed. For them to be a playoff team. Yes. But there's enough in the building for them to win five. Oh, I believe Penny Sewell five years from now is going to sign the biggest left tackle contract in NFL history, and it's not going to be for the Detroit Lions. Like, I will agree with you on that one. Like, I think DeAndre Swift is going to go get paid somewhere else. But, like... These guys aren't gonna. It's it's tough to be in Detroit right now. They need I and I Sheila Ford Ham, you know Dan Campbell's best friend and the hope for the Detroit Lions. They need if they're gonna do this thing right, they should have done. They should have just given Dan Campbell like a, a Gruden deal and been like, just you have as much build, time as you please, need yeah. build because free agents well, don't want to go there right now. I mean, I don't right think now. that getting rid of Stafford was the move. I don't either, but you they felt like they owed him. Right. And I think that's one of the steps in the right direction. Like, okay, same thing with Galladay. They kind of just like let him go, knowing that they can't do better for him. When in the past, they've done things like, no, Calvin Johnson, fucking retire and give us our money back. Like, they need to start showing that they want to play ball. All right. I'm going to come down. I'm going to go to five wins. Four and 13 is so five and 12. The ceiling for them. So let's kick on over to the Chicago Bears with starter Andy Dalton at the beginning of the season. This is such a tough team. Uh, no, it's not. It is because what's really changed between two years ago, the double doink, and now that defense is still just as good. Belief in their head coach. Yeah, that's but what I he's think still is the creative as hell, and you know that Andy Dalton will not be starting by week six. But here's the thing: so the Chicago Bears do the same thing every year, where their defense plays lights out football for seven or eight weeks, but then they're been in seven of or eight weeks of football games where the offense scores less than 14 points and they lose the majority of those ball games and then the defense quits and but if they pack but it if in. at the end of those eight games they switch from Andy Dalton to a dynamic field general like Justin Fields does the defense still quit listen if they if they lose more than six of their first 10 games anyways with how stacked the oh, NFC you can put a fork is in them. They're done, so it, those games aren't going to matter anyways, but, and you could start moving so pieces, said, and you could see Matt Nagy get fired. So you said six well. losses in the first ten games. Yeah. Do we not see Justin Fields by then? I, that's going to be tough. I, you'd have to find a spot in the schedule to put him in. You'd have to. Because the Rams are, have a good defense. I'm not having him start against the Rams. If they start 0-3 and Dalton's awful, do you not start Fields against Lions? Yeah, I, I would. I would. But if you're 0-3, you're almost cooked. You know what I mean? Like how, Not with a 17-game schedule, you're not. In our division, with some of the other things that are going on in the None NFC. None of those are divisional games. Yeah, but If you're sitting long, at 0-3 with losses to the Rams, Bengals, and Browns. Are you assuming that Justin Field gets in and rattles off wins against the Lions, Raiders, Packers? Like, look, yeah, he's got... No, but he probably goes 2-2 two and two in his first four, and then they're looking at Niners, Steelers, who you think is a bottom feeder. Then they go into their bye week. If they start Fields week four, the only wins they're getting are Lions, Steelers. You don't think they can beat the Raiders? No. That Raiders defense is not great. It's not, but John John Gruden is smart enough to give young quarterbacks fits. 
They've got a good enough pass rush. They can take the ball. They they're ground I mean, and pound who, football who, team. Who, who's gonna Who's the pass rusher with the Raiders right now? Max Crosby, who I think is gonna who's a B level pass rusher in my opinion. Uh, he'll make a Pro Bowl this year. Yeah, because the top level guys don't want to go to the freaking Pro Bowl anymore. I'm just saying. So I just I think it's tough. The Bears are gonna be in a tough spot. Now, tough like, read for me. I'm gonna go seven and ten, eight and nine. Bengals, Lions, Raiders, Giants, Vikes. At the end of the season, when we're sitting some starters, that's a five and twelve football team. This is another division, man. Where if you look Again, at the disparity steal, of talent, could steal one from the Packers at home because Soldier Field is always tough to play in. And you don't think they sweep the Lions? Nope. See what I, I mean? I think it's a, it's a tough team to read, especially because you don't know who that signal caller is going to be. In the second the half of, the, of the season, do I think that Jared Goff can outduel? Um, Jared Goff. Can Jared Goff outduel and or uh, Justin Fields late in the season? Sure. Middle of the season, he doesn't have his feet quite under him yet. Maybe they've got some things installed up there in Detroit. They've got a little bit of momentum. You know, they they're going to be coming off a horrible game against Baltimore. It's always a it's tough, tough team to read, just because Matt Nagy, even though the confidence level in him from his players is probably down, the man is a creative genius, right? Yeah. Like they run some plays in Chicago that are great. They're also just missing the... Tariq Cohen this year is a big part of that offense. True, but. I think that Justin Fields X Factor, man, depending on when he comes in. And here's the thing, like for their longevity for their franchise. He should just sit. Sit him. Put him in street clothes. Don't even be tempted. It might be the best thing for Matt Nagy's job. Yeah. Like, hey, we're taking an off year this year. We're gonna get a top draft pick to I add want to the I Fields want a new contract. Yep. Yep, it could be. So right. uh, let's then talk got... about that team to the east that I hate talking about. Yeah. Uh the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, obviously back, making waves. Still a good football team, but I think regressing is what I've got here. What do you got? Agreed. They're definitely on the down slope, I yeah. think. This right? is Especially with the added drama of the offseason. Yeah, this is Achilles when right before the Achilles goes is what I see here. This is going to be – it's going to be an ugly downturn. They've got one good year left in them, right? But admittedly, they're Devontae – Adams injury away from being an extremely anemic offense. Oh, but they got Randall Cobb back. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, can they beat the Saints, the Lions twice, Steelers, Bengals, Bears twice, Redskins, Cardinals, Seahawks, Browns, Rams? Yeah, that's a 12 and 5 football team. But this is going to be another scenario where you look at them as a 12 and 5 football team and go, did they really deserve to win 12 games? And the answer is probably going to be no. This offensive line lost a lot of pieces. Their defense isn't getting any younger. There is whatever you want to call it, there's turmoil in that organization with what happened with Aaron and how he's got things set up right now. And Devontae Adams isn't there long-term. So who's to say that he's going to put his body on the line the year before he's going to try to get paid with another team because we don't know if Aaron stays. These are all things you have to take into consideration. This is a playoff football team, but they're not the division winners this year. That's going to go to the Minnesota Vikings because they're going to beat them twice. I'm going to say 10 and 7, 11 and 6. Rodgers puts up MVP type numbers. Aaron Jones has a great year out of the backfield, but I, I, what I think it is is the defense doesn't hold up. Yeah, and that'll be the the final nail in Aaron's coffin the, in Green Bay. The Smith boys don't play great. I'd say Zedarius has a better year than Preston, or gets hurt, or like the corner. Who's the corner that they Jair. got out there? Jair gets hurt, something like that. They are one of those funky injuries away from just being not great. Kill. Yep, and that's gonna suck. And that could be in those instances where you see the Bears, the Lions pick up another win. So. so you said that Rodgers will be doing 100 percent of the leg work, though. Yeah, I this think it's going to be. His. I think they're going to be more of a run-heavy team than we've seen in the past. 
I, I agree, but late in games, in order to get them over to hump, to get them the wins that they need, right. it'll be stuff that Aaron does in the fourth quarter, which will only further his legacy. His legacy, and then we'll see him walk off into the sunset or in with another team or whatever because he was 50-50 on retirement. So the Green Bay Packers are who the Green Bay Packers So are. let me ask you this really quick, just because it popped into my head. What would your feelings be of seeing him do like a Favre retirement come to Minnesota type deal? No. I don't want him. It, I like I hated Brett Favre when he was in Green Bay, but I have like a different level of hate for Favre, number twelve. But Favre was always a good old boy. Aaron's a prima donna. Right. There's a difference. Right. There's a total difference. Favre played the played the game like a kid, man. And Aaron plays it like a diva. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Agreed. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to our hometown team. Woo! And if you want to see the entire breakdown, folks, you can actually go back to episode five where me and Mike. It's on our live on our Facebook. Um, if you go under videos and you go to live episode five, we do an entire schedule breakdown, why we will or will not win specific games. So we're not going to get too much into it here because we do a whole lot of Vikings. Yeah, talk. we got a lot of crap about our travel. Yeah, the travel stuff. So we're just going to hopefully Tim isn't listening to yell at me about airport fees and stuff. So um, go back, check that out. We always appreciate the support. And if you watch it, um, go ahead and leave a comment or something uh, from episode, leave the number 14 from episode 14 in the comments. And we will uh, see if we can do something special for you. If you actually go back and watch the entire segment um, or just to let me know that you were watching this episode as well. Um, but the Vikings, a good football team this year, 12 and five. I got them with only one or two division losses. I think the schedule just set, sets up well for them. Like, I think we get two pseudo warm up games against the Bengals and the Cardinals before we go into like Seattle, Cleveland. Right. And then we get, against the Lions. So there's like a lot of like push and pull on the pedal where we can apply some pressure. We can afford to not necessarily take plays or days off, but do some different things to make sure that we're ready come the playoff push. Everybody in this organization right now is under a ton of scrutiny. Like Zim knows he's got to prove it this year. Kubiak's got to be good. Kirk's got to get the job done. Jefferson's got to continue to progress. Thielen's got to be healthy. Cook's got to prove he is who he is. O'Neal just got a contract. They sunk a bunch of money into defensive veterans that aren't going to be here very long. Can they prove themselves? Like, I think if it's ever going to come together as a, hey, it's now or never kind of thing, this is going to be the team to do it, folks. And I said, keep sleeping on them. When they rattle off 12, 13 wins this year, and you got to come to U.S. Bank Stadium for a playoff game, you're going to have a hard time walking away with a, with a victory. And that's that's the thing about the Minnesota Vikings is their style of play is difficult to contend with. Yes. Um, they're not a wide open four receiver, let our quarterback throw for 350 or else we lose type team. Yep. Um, they're going to punch you in the mouth offensively and defensively. And not a lot of teams in the NFL can hang with that for four quarters. True. So I, I would agree. I think they're the division winners as long as we take care of the games that we need to take care of. Yep. Just make sure you get, make sure you get whatever tiebreaker is over green Bay, unless they also go 12 and five. That is my concern. Like those should be the two games on your schedule. Circle them. Circle you, them right now. you go. Nose to grindstone to get those two victories against Green Bay. One one game that I'm circling personally as well is the Monday, December 20th matchup. Um, if we can go into Chicago and get a win, and get a win, um, we're a good football team. And I think that's, that's always tough for us. I think that's going to be possible too. Like I said, Justin Fields is going to take a while to adjust. Rookie quarterbacks can be good, but how often are they really winning? Well, football and that's games? the thing though is our defense is on another level. Yes. So, yes, Justin Fields, I think, will steal some games that maybe they shouldn't have been in. Yeah. Reminiscent of kind of a Jalen Hurts last year. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, like, he played out of his mind in a few games against yeah. okay to average defenses and basically won the football game. Um, but when we go 
into Soldier Field, we have a top five defense yeah. that he'll have to contend with. You know, there's going to be pressure on the quarterback with just four guys coming at him. Um, I think that's going to be a tough matchup for him. Perfect. Well, guys, we got to continue to go. We got to continue to roll here. So let us know what you think on the NFC North predictions and our Minnesota Vikings, who are going to be making the Super Bowl push this year, right? We're hoping for 16 and 0, but nobody can be perfect. Just make sure you get that home playoff game. Looking forward to hearing from you guys 16, in 16 and 0? 17. 16 go. and 1. Be the first 17 and 0 team. There we go. Yeah. Um, also, let us know in the comments real quickly if you think Daniel Hunter can break Michael Strahan's sack record this year with an extra game and a contract year with all the help he has on defense. Also, let us know how many snaps you think Everson Griffin plays and prove me wrong. Yeah. Um, but we do have a game tonight. There is a game tonight. So we got to talk Thursday about it. Thursday night football. And it, includes, the season. and it includes obligatory Cowboy talk. So we're going to make this quick, though. The Bucks are going to take on the Cowboys tonight in the season opener. Dak is returning. Zeke's in the best shape of his life. Micah Parsons is the next great linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. And a whole lot of smoke going on around that team. Can they pull it out against a team that's returning 22 starters and look like they were just going to buzzsaw through the entire NFL at the end of the season last season, Mike? The Cowboys are, again, another tough team to read because they could literally come out week one and beat the Bucks, mm. and then absolutely shit the bed in week two. Yeah. Right? So it just depends on what Dallas Cowboys team shows up. Bucks are the favorite for sure. Yep. Um, I think Brady, I looked through, like, the first five games after his first five rings. Mm. He was, like, sitting at four and one, and I just didn't get a chance to finish the last two. But, you know, that type of winning percentage after a ring is – is shows who he is, right? Fans He's are gonna always be, working. Dak's not 100% healthy. Fans are going to be back so? in Tampa for the first game that they've been you truly able to see. I know. Healthy, I huh? think he's going to be riddled with injuries all season long, and it's going to lead to this team struggling. We talked about it when we did the breakdown of all of the different, um, uh, you know, teams. And the ankle, now it's the shoulder. They went to rest. This is an average football team. They're, they're the Cowboys, right? So they're going to go 8-9, eight, 9-8. Nine, nine, nine. I think what the Dallas Cowboys really need to do and I hate to admit this, if Jerry Jones is ever going to get back to where they need to be as a football team. Remember when they just traded Herschel Walker for all of the draft capital and built that way? Thanks, Vikings. It's time to do that. It's time to unload Zeke, maybe move some of the offensive line talent that you have, get rid of Dexter Lawrence, say bye to Jalen. You think start over? I think start over. And get the draft capital that you need, free up the cap space as it's getting ready to go up, take on some of the big free agents that are going to be hitting the market. Do it that way. I'm curious to see what Mike McCarthy does in the second year. It wasn't a great, wasn't a good coach in Green Bay, isn't a good coach in Dallas. Agreed. But he has probably more talent on this roster than he's ever had. I would agree. Right? So if he's ever going to get a shot at it, it's gonna this be no. is it. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. Um so score prediction? Yeah, I got this being like a a twenty eight ten game. Okay. I think twenty eight thirteen. I'm going to say because it's week one, there's a lot of defensive mistakes, lots of scoring. Um, 38-24 bucks. 38-24? Yeah, it could be. Um, I just think I think that, Brady throws two touchdowns. I think Fournette has a couple. Yeah, I think. Towards and, the goal line. That passing attack is only going to get more potent for the Bucks, and I think that that no matter – with all the changes that the Cowboys have made, it's going to be tough to get it right week one yeah. on the road. So expect the Bucks to score – and that Bucks defense is going to come out juiced up in front of fans. Just got just dropped the banner. Dak isn't completely healthy. C.D. Lamb's been in COVID protocols. Zeke isn't. They're missing their best offensive lineman as well. It it should be a route. If you got some money, put it on the Bucks. Um, let us know what you guys think as well for tonight's game. How excited are you on a scale of one to ten billion for the kickoff of what seems like the longest offseason in NFL fucking history? I'm I'm more year. excited for Sunday than I am for tonight. I will be probably watching tonight, but. 
won't be tuning in too. And hard. this is the sampler before we are yeah. knee deep in football conversation. Right. Um, so. With that being said, let us know what you guys think. There are also going to be games to watch on Sunday, as Mike said. Uh, so we're just going to breeze through real quick and say, Mike, what are the three things that you want to watch this weekend? Um, there's a few matchups. I'd like to. I w- I'm going to be tuning into the Jets and Panthers. Okay. Reason? Uh, Darnold. Okay. Right. Gets to face. It. So if you're if you're Zach Wilson or Sam Darnold, which one is like thinking about the other one more? I think Darnold's got to be thinking, "Hey, about I have Wilson. to show up." If Wilson comes Wilson, out and right? stunts all over Sam Darnold, put a nail in him. Right. So that's one that I'm looking forward to. What's one that you're looking forward to? Uh, I want to go ahead and take a look at the Browns this week. Okay, they're going to be playing the. Who Kansas. are they? Right. Yeah, it's exactly. basically who it is. Uh, I want to see what Baker looks like. How healthy is Odell? Is that defensive secondary going to be a – that's what I'm most curious on. I'm going to be paying attention to the Chiefs on offense, but the Browns on defense because they do get – they got Greedy Williams. They've got um, – like their corners were not super active last year. Grant Del Pitt was out. They get some safeties back. If that secondary can come in and begin to assist Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, it's going to be a long road for every team. You know, that is one thing that the Browns have is a lot of big names. Oh, yeah. They have a lot of big names. So how about you? What's next for you? You know, one team that I think could be getting overlooked by pretty much the entire NFL is the New England Patriots. Could be. Um, I think Mac Jones could be pretty dang good. I really do. You know. I mean, when when you look at the fact that they cut Cam Newton, though, and just put all of their faith in Mac right out of the gate, that could be a good football team. No, I agree. I think they're on their way, right? But I want to watch that same game for a different reason. I actually want to see Bill murders quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in his division. And everybody's wondering right now if Tua is the guy. They got him some wide receiving weapons, okay? It's his offense. It's his show. Fitzmagic isn't there to spell him anymore. I think this week one matchup with Hightower back, with some of the guys back on the Patriots defense is going to be very telling of who Tua Tungavailoa can be for the Dolphins as the season moves on. So that's why I want to tune into that game. Mac Jones just needs to stay competitive. Hey, buddy, it's not time to win a Super Bowl. Let's make sure that you can stay competitive this year. Get them to an above 500 record, and then we'll go out and get you a piece and get you over the hump because that's how Bill Belichick is known to do just about anything. I would agree. Okay. You got one more? Yeah, I mean, there's a few, honestly, just looking at the week one schedule. There's a lot of intriguing matchup so like i look at the cardinals titans yeah there's an alternate reality where that's a possible super bowl matchup like really that cardinals team could like i'm not expecting them to however they could be a powerhouse in the nfc like this year yeah if kyler steps up and that defense steps up that that's a talented team as well right so that could be kind of a super bowl ish matchup yeah um, that's going to be two good football teams squaring off right away on Sunday at noon. That could be an interesting one to watch and a very different dynamic as well, right? The Titans are going to pound the ball. Cardinals are trying to spread you out Yep. and, you know, have Kyler be responsible for 400 yards, whether it's in the air or on the ground. Yeah, I agree. Um, my final one is going to be the Bears Rams. This is just going to be where every, every Matt Stafford supporter is going to go ahead and toss a stone right into the MVP candidate bucket starting in week one, and we're going to have a lot of people boarding that train if he can come out in that Sean McVay offense and dice up what is always a very good Bears defense early in the season. Cleo Max, Hicks is healthy. They're, they're a good defensive team. Matt Stafford has seen them a lot, so you're going to get 
He's going to get some confidence. He's got some familiarity. It's going to be his springboard game to start the season. I don't think he could have started the season against any better opponent than the Chicago Bears because it is both challenging and familiar. And if that team looks like if that offense looks like it can go early in the season with the addition of Sony Michelle, then this team is going to go, and you're going to see a lot of hype around what the Rams are going to be bringing to the table each and every week. Agreed. And then there's two other games, actually. I can't even narrow it down to one. Um, that Washington football team. Yes. Got to see it. It's, it's another, like... Go shut down Herbert. They're weird, man. Like, that's a weird team because the defense is so, so good. good. But it's, can they figure out the offense enough to put up enough points against... A high-powered Chargers offense. I mean, a high-powered Chargers defense when everybody's healthy. Right. So that's going to be a good football game. Um, Rookie head coaches don't do well week one, though. So I got my faith in the Washington Redskins, or the football team in that game. And then the other one that I might be keeping an eye on as well, as weird as it is, is Seahawks-Colts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that could be a good game. That Both Colts those quarterbacks got to really good. It. Yep. Ham- McAfee's going to be hitting the hammer for the Colts, and he's 3-0. and So we'll see. That's a That could be a good one as yeah. well. So. So, um, yeah, those, those are, are kind of the games to watch as well. If there's anything else you guys want us to be paying attention to, let us know. And then um, the Monday night game, Ravens and Raiders. So that'll always be good. Ready to hear that song like I am every year on Monday night. So uh, let us know what you guys are going to be paying attention to, what your individual fan bases are, and who you think is going to show out for your team in week one. Yeah, we I can... want people to pick their teams now. Yeah. Give me your Super yeah, Bowl there predictions. You go. Me and Mike are going to do a way too early predictions for uh, awards and Super Bowl picks after week one next week. So there's your teaser for the show, Tevin. Make sure you tune back in. Um, but we can kick right on over to the glass half topic of the day. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. The glass, act, glass half topic of the day, which is going to be the signing of one Le'Veon Bell to the Baltimore Ravens after. Do you have a preference? Do you have a coin? Uh, you can take this however you want. I'm going to go glass half full. I will gladly take glass half empty. I figured so. You're kind of a negative dude, you know. I'm going to strangle you with one of these streamers. <laughs> All right, why don't you go first? This is You can't attack Andy Reid and expect to get away get away with it. I understand that Le- Le'Veon Bell was once a top three back in the NFL, right? I was thinking about it yesterday the same way that Cam said, there aren't 32 quarterbacks in the NFL better than me right now. I could probably find 32 running backs in the NFL better than Le'Veon Bell at this given moment. I think he has fallen from grace. I think he has fallen out of love with football, and I think that's evident by the way he played towards his end of the end of his time in uh, New York with the Jets. And I think him, his frustration showing through with a guy like Andy Reid, that's not going to bode well with Harbaugh. And it, I, like I said, I think they're bringing him in specifically as a pass catching back because when uh, the number one running back is hurt for the Baltimore Ravens, Gus Edwards averages a 5.1 yards per carry average in that offense, and I think he's going to get the majority of the rushing workload. So this is just a this is ins- this is an insurance signing, and he's got to prove it if he's going to get any playing time in that offense. So the Ravens are a backfield by committee team. Yep, right. That's just who they are. They're a, a great zone blocking team reminiscent of that Steelers team when they had Le'Veon Bell. Um, the two teams, you know, he he played on the Chiefs. They're not a huge zone team as much as they are kind of downhill power, more of a man-on-man blocking scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that fits and bodes well for him. Um, I think not using him every down and letting him sprinkle in and be able to be at 100% and hit that hole hard, be patient and hit that hole hard, um, is beneficial for him. 
-hmm. I think you could possibly see a little bit of a resurgence for Le'Veon Bell. I think he's going to be extremely efficient in the system, and he's going to be just enough to possibly add to that Ravens offense and that Ravens rushing attack to put the Ravens over the hump and make them a possible one seed in the AFC. Uh, He needs to earn it, though. That's what I'm going to tell you. I don't want to see him getting... I mean, I don't think early uh, knowing often, I Harbaugh, think. I don't think he's just going to come in and hand him the keys to the kingdom, right? right. He's going to make him show what he can do. What you know, it's it's the NFL, so it's what have you done for me lately? Exactly, um, not a whole lot for anybody, and that's that's the answer for Le'Veon Bell, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean it can't change. No, I agree. I think he is still a talented NFL player. I still think he can help a team. I don't think he is your every down back. I, I agree. Agreed. And, and I think the reason you can't do that is because when he is in those roles where he is a leader, when he is a workhorse, when he is the prominent part of an offense, he becomes a cancer for a locker room. But I don't think – the, that's the thing about this Ravens team, though, is they're not – I don't care who it is. They're, they're not going to run a back every down. Right. Right? They're, they are a running back by committee team by design. Yeah. And they're – I mean, if you want to look at it that way, their running back is Lamar. Yeah. And then they switch out. No, their they, quarterback is Lamar. Don't start well, that shit. Point being, they switch out who he could hand the ball off to in that option read game. Yeah. Um, and I think Le'Veon Bell fits that perfectly. I really do. Yeah, I do too. I think the perfect signing for him would have been in Jacksonville with the loss of Etienne because of the way that Urban wanted to use him. But this is a suitable This is I think this is a great landing spot for him. We'll see how well it works. Um, I'm just not super stoked. I don't like the way that he operates inside football organizations over the last five years has, has been subpar. If anybody can corral that, yes, it is Harbaugh. But I think Harbaugh should be focusing on other things than having to worry about what version of Le'Veon Bell is going to walk in and out of the facility on a daily basis. So just take the signing with a grain of salt. I don't think it hinders them. I don't think it makes them all that much better either. I, I see that's things like I think it makes them a better. It, it do, definitely doesn't make them a worse football team. We'll I see. think it helps them. Uh, I don't know. Because, I mean, oh, what's the guy's name? It was either Gus Edwards or a rookie running back for the Ravens, yep. who I cannot think of right now. Um, had a great preseason. Oh, I can't think of his name. I can't remember his name. JK, I mean, J.K. Dobbins was their number one back. but Yeah, but J.K.'s hurt. Yep. Now it's Gus Edwards, and then they were they're, they were going to have the running back by committee with this other guy who had a great preseason. I, I'm drawing a blank on his name currently. Let us know in the comments if you know who it is. Um, but switching that rookie out for Le'Veon, and the thing is, is if Le'Veon has attitude issues, if he doesn't run effectively or run with purpose, switch him for that rookie had like that rookie had like 30 carries for 150 yards or something like that. Have the preseason. He had a great preseason. So it's kind of, hey, if you're not going to come in and be Le'Veon Bell, we don't need you. Uh, I would agree. Right? But that's how it handle it with kid gloves. Sure. Careful, fragile should be written on the bottom of this contract because that's who Le'Veon is both physically and mentally these days. Um, so let us know what you guys think. Is Le'Veon gonna, Bell going to elevate the Ravens back to where they should be with J.K. Dobbins? Does it bring them above J.K. Dobbins? Who's going to have more rushing yards, Gus Edwards or Le'Veon Bell? This Or Lamar Jackson. Or Lamar, yeah, Lamar's going for 1,000 again this year. We all know that. Um, and uh, let us know how you guys enjoyed the show. If you made it all the way through, go ahead and comment uh, Mike's Timberwolves shirt to let us know you made it this far. Because that's what he's wearing today. We'll come up with something goofy. Um, I'm just excited to get out of here because it is football season, folks. We are 
T-minus, what, seven hours away from being able to just put my feet up and drink a cold one and enjoy whistles and football and listen to it on mute because I often don't like the Thursday night football broadcasting crew. But that's a story for another time. Mike? I listen to it on mute, though. That's my question. No. It's like waking up dead. <laughs> that's how I feel most Saturday mornings. Um, folks, go ahead and let us know how you liked the episode. Mike, anything uh, else that you want to let the folks know before we let them go? Um, no. I think, uh, you know, have a great weekend. Enjoy week one of the NFL and uh, get ready for a lot of football talk coming forward. Um, one thing that I do want to touch on really quick is uh, feel free to ask us for fantasy advice as well. I've had a lot of fans yep. actually coming up to me and wondering what um, when we're going to cover fantasy football as well. So we might when have to we, cover when that we next have week fantasy well. football questions, we will answer fantasy yep. football questions. Uh, also, folks, me and Mike are going to drop our picks on Saturday or Sunday mornings for each week of the NFL season. And then you'll be able to go ahead and vote along with us on Instagram and our Facebook story. So feel free to join us uh, and we will be keeping a running tally. My record, Mike's record and the fans record. And if you guys go ahead and beat us out uh, during the course of the season, uh, record-wise, we'll go ahead and do something real special Maybe for you some here. Glass half sports merch or something like that, huh? We hey. could do that. So, hey guys, yeah. I'm sorry to break in here, but I got a question that I think um, those of if someone were say a gambler, um, oh, what's the uh, what's the big upset this week? Big Ooh. upset this week. Someone was in a pinch and they needed some money. Yeah. <laughs> well, Gabe, wink, yeah. wink. Um, who you should bet on this week? Yeah, um, mm, Cardinal, I don't think the Cardinals be able to, it's so hard to bet a week one matchup, um, right. but if the Jets were going to steal one, I think they could probably get one over on the Panthers this week. That's with not a Sam, horrible one. With Sam Darnold being in town. It's not a horrible one. Um, I'm still looking. Sorry to slow down the momentum. You're no, good. you're okay. This is a great, a it's a here. great question, yeah. yeah. Um. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Raiders maybe steal one against the Ravens on a Monday night. All right, that's how we're going to end the show, uh, the show, folks. Mike's stupid sports <laughs> takes. Thanks for joining us. I'm glad to have you here every single Thursday. Uh, we are live on what platforms, Mike? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Spotify. And fuck YouTube as always. Oh, hey, by the way, big shout out to Elite Inc. We're going to be looking to do some things with them in the future. I uh, went to the State Fair and they got me hooked up for an Adrian Peterson jersey on the real cheap. Um, hopefully we'll be able to do some stuff with them and bring some more uh, content and just show you guys what they're all about because they are a Minnesota company and they're, they're a group of good guys and, and gals over there. So um, if you missed today's show or missed any show, you can always find us on what channel? MCN 6, Saturdays at 1 p.m., and then sometimes on the Friday rerun as well, That's Friday right. evening. That is right, folks. Thank you for joining us. As always, we will be back with you next week for all, with all of the overre overreactions from week one and looking forward into week two before the Vikings Skull. make their Skull. Super Bowl push, folks. Skull. Skull with us as we let it go. Take care. Stay safe. See you soon. Bye-bye. All right, time to pick, pick up confetti. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs>